You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from Mark 10, the verses 35 to 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said... We want you to do for us whatever you ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Indeed, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Text for this morning you will find in Mark 10. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today is the first Sunday of Lent. It means that this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. You will probably know that Lent is a time of fasting and repentance. A time of fasting and repentance that is meant to prepare us for Easter. It's a time that lasts for 40 days. However, if you count the days from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday you will find that that is not 40 days, but 46, which tells us that the six Sundays of Lent are not included in the days of fasting. Days of celebration they are. And one may wonder whether this is all very biblical to spend some time in fasting and focusing on repentance while in the Old Testament The Bible speaks about repenting in sackcloth and ashes. It talks about fasting. And the New Testament also speaks about fasting as well. In Acts 13, verse 1, for instance, the church was together before they sent out Paul and Barnabas in fasting and prayer. So Lent really is a time of self-discipline. And self-discipline 
is always good. It's something we should always do when it concerns the Christian life. But sometimes we do that in a more intentional way than other times. For instance, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the congregation is asked to examine itself in the week prior to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And really that is the same as what you do in Lent. It's a time of self-discipline, a time at examining your life in the light of God's Word and being drawn all the more to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness and renewal of life. So also during these 40 days of Lent, it's good to have a time of intentional self-reflection, a time of intentional self-discipline when it concerns living the Christian life. And when it concerns living the Christian life, it is good to focus on one of the main themes of the Christian life in Lent, the theme of dying with Christ and the theme of rising with Christ. Because that really is what the Christian life is all about. It's all about daily dying with the Lord Jesus Christ and daily rising with the Lord Jesus Christ. As Lord's Day 33 of the Catechism also says, so beautiful when it speaks about daily conversion or daily repentance, dying with Christ and rising with Christ. We also see that when we read the form for the baptism of infants. A child is baptized into Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. And when the minister prays before the baptism, he prays that this, Christ, this child may increasingly die with Christ and rise with Christ. That's the baptismal life that every covenant child is called to live. He's called to be what he or she already is. They have died with Christ. They have arisen with Christ. Now they are called to affirm this new covenantal identity in faith. And so during these 40 days of Lent, it's good to ask ourselves this question. How is my life manifesting or showing that I have died with Christ and that I have arisen with Christ. And secondly, how is my life showing that I am disciplining myself so that I can increasingly die more with Christ and rise more with Him? Or to say it in another way, so that I can increasingly affirm my baptismal identity of having died with Christ and arisen with Christ. Our text also speaks about dying with Christ, at least by implication, because it speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ dying. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the original Greek uses an interesting word for, for serving there. Diakonos. Diakonain. So Jesus, we just kind of literally translate that. Jesus is saying, the Son of Man came not to, to be deaconed unto, get our word deacon from diakonos. He came not to be deaconed unto, but to deacon. And a diakonos in those days was a waiter. Someone who waited at tables. You have that today too, a waiter in a restaurant. They come to your table and they say, are you ready to order? And you say, no, I'd like some more time. And then they go and they give you some more time. They come back, are you ready to order now? Yeah, now I'm ready to order. And you tell them exactly what you want. And they go and they get you your food. And they bring you your food. And does it all taste well? You know, they, they just wait upon you. They serve you. Well, a diakonos was a waiter in those days. But he didn't get tipped. And it wasn't as glamorous as a waiter or a waitress job of being a waiter or waitress is today. It was the lowly job of a slave. And you could be seriously punished if you didn't do your work very well. And so Jesus, when He says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, He's saying, I have come to do the work of a lowly waiter, a lowly slave, the most menial of jobs. And we see that already in Jesus' incarnation. Jesus was in the form of God, says the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. He who was in the form of God did not count equality with God something to be taken advantage of. But he disadvantaged himself for the sake of his congregation by emptying himself and taking on the form of a servant, a slave, becoming obedient unto death, even a death on the cross. Jesus leaving the courts of heaven shows us that He came not to be served, to be deaconed upon, but to deacon, to serve, to wait upon His congregation and to give His congregation what it stood in need of. And what Jesus did when He left the courts of heaven continued to characterize His life as the foot washing in John 13 so clearly shows. No one wanted to wash the other's feet. It was the job of a slave, a menial slave. So Jesus puts on an apron and He washes His disciples' feet. That is what characterized Jesus' life. 
And he says, that is what I want to characterize the life of my congregation as well. And Jesus' death was characterized by the attitude of a slave. Would you die for someone else? It does happen. There's a story of a Roman Catholic priest in the Second World War, Maximilian Kolbe, I believe is his name. And you know how it went in those days, how the, the Germans would sometimes just gather together 10 or 15 prisoners because something had happened in the concentration camp that they didn't like. So let's shoot 10 prisoners, and that happened. And So 10 were going to be shot, and this priest, this Maximilian Kobe, came forward, and he said, why don't you take me? If he wasn't taken, he said, and let that man go free. That was a man who had five children, and he was married. And so the Germans agreed. So they let this one man go, husband of one wife, and father of five children, and this priest gave his life for someone else. But it doesn't happen very often. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. He gave his life for his body, for the church. Because he wanted to cleanse his church with his precious blood. And in doing so, he showed that he came not to be deaconed upon, but to deacon. To serve. To do the lowly job of a slave. And this is the heart of the Christian life. This should be the heart of the prayer life of the Christian congregation and of the members of the Christian congregation. God calls us not just to pray for ourselves and for our own family and for our own congregation. He calls us to lay down our lives to deacon with our lives in prayer for the needs of the world and for the needs of all of God's people all over the world. To intercede together with the Lord Jesus Christ who continues His life of being a deacon in heaven by continually interceding the people of this world. God calls us to lead the life of a deacon, the life of a servant in our marriages so that as where waitresses wait on tables, we wait upon our spouse. And we say, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I bring out the best that God has intended for you in you? This is how God calls us to live together in our biological families. As children, 
where a sister says to a brother or a brother to a sister or brothers to brothers or sisters to sisters, how can I serve you? How can I wash your feet, so to speak? Instead of asking, what can you do for me? You ask, what can I do for you? This is how God calls us to parent our children. Not what they can do for us, but what we can do for them. How can I bring out the best in you? How can I facilitate your growth in Christ-likeness? How can I help you in daily dying with Christ and daily rising with Christ? This is what characterizes the life of the communion of the saints in the church of the living God. How can I help you? How can I help you in growing up into the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you attain to the full measure of the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what should characterize my ministry as a pastor. And this is what should characterize the ministry of the deacons and the elders. When they go into the congregation, and when I go into the congregation... When I preach the Word of God, it's how can I serve you with the Word of word of God? How can I preach the Word of God and the elders? How can I bring the Word of God in your life in such a way that it helps you in dying with Christ and rising with Christ? And so seeing that this is the first Sunday of Lent, A time of intentional self-reflection. A time of intentional self-discipline. It's good to ask ourselves the question, how is my life showing? How is my prayer life? My life as a spouse. My life as a, a sibling. My life as a parent my life as a brother or sister in the communion of saints, my office of elder, my office of deacon, my office of being a pastor and a teacher, how is that showing? That I am dying with Christ and rising with Christ. And that I am facilitating others in dying with Christ and rising with Christ. And how are we as a community and how am I as a Christian disciplining myself with a view to dying with Christ and rising with Christ? Right? How many of you jog? How many of you lift weights? How many of you jump on the treadmill? How many of you swim? 
How many of you are into Nordic walking? Or pole walking? See, we all discipline ourselves physically in one way or another. Why would we not want to discipline ourselves spiritually? Spiritual disciplines, they're called. Good to ask ourselves corporately. Good to ask ourselves individually during the 40 days of Lent. Because it's possible that when we reflect upon the character of our life, that we find that the nature of our life is not really characterized by being a servant in living for others. What can I do for you? It's very well possible that as we intentionally reflect upon the character of our Christian life, that we come to the shocking and embarrassing conclusion or conviction that, hey, I'm actually pretty self-centered, pretty focused on me, more so on me than on the other. When I look at my prayer life, it's mostly about me or my family. Or my church. And when I look at myself as a spouse, it could be surprising how much me-ism, me first, is in my attitude as a spouse. Or as a sibling. Or as a parent. Or in the communion of the saints. Perhaps even as an office bearer. Deacon elder, or pastor. And should that be our the result that we draw from our self-reflection, then we really are no different from James and John, are we? Those two sons of Zebedee. Jesus had told his disciples for the third time that he was going to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. That was the nature of his kingdom. And his disciples just didn't get it. And James and John also just didn't get it. So they say to Jesus, when you come into your glory, may I sit on your right hand and the other on your left hand. May I be the minister of foreign affairs and the finance ministers. May I have the heavyweight portfolios in your cabinet, Jesus. Jesus tells them, But that is not so. His kingdom is of a different nature. That's how the Gentiles think. They're all into lording it over other people. 
They're all into me first and me second. They're all into power trips. Exercising power over the other people. And Jesus says, that's not the way it should be in the kingdom of God. Because the essence of the kingdom of God is not lordship. Not lording over other people. The essence of life in the kingdom of God is the life of a deacon. The life of a slave. The life of a servant. And if you're not sure about that, says Jesus, just look at me. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom for many. Shouldn't gloss over that very quickly. It's so important. It means to buy free. And buy free, we have to be. Because it is not natural to say to your siblings, what can I do for you? It's more natural to say to your brother or sister, I'd like you to do this for me. Why haven't you done that yet? And what is true for siblings is true for every sphere of life. It's more natural to be deaconed onto than to deacon. Because we are so wrapped up in the gravitational orbit of our own sinful self, of me first and me second and me third. And so we need to be ransomed because we are slaves of ourselves. We need to be bought free by the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can be pulled out of the self-centered orbit of me first and me second and brought into the orbit of the Son of Righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ, where it is you first, the other second, and the other third. That is what Jesus does with His precious death. He liberates us from our slavery to ourselves. And in doing so, He makes us a slave of one another. That's the paradox of the Christian faith. We find our true freedom in being a slave of one another. And now here's the question. How do we do that? If I have asked you to intentionally reflect upon your Christian life and also asked you and myself, how are we disciplining ourselves so that we can increasingly die with Christ and rise with Him 
And in doing so, be a servant of one another. How do we do that? Well, here's the secret. For all of you taking notes, this is the most important part of the sermon. So write it out. Here come the ten do's and the ten don'ts. Number one. No, I was just joking. See, the Christian life is not really a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a life of self-discipline of got to make sure I don't do that. Got to make sure I, I don't do that. Got to make sure I do that. The Christian life is a life of faith. And so, when the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to discipline ourselves, He's calling us to discipline ourselves in a life of faith. A life of looking at Him in faith. That is the chief discipline of the Christian life is that you look at the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. That you affirm who the Lord Jesus Christ is in faith. That you increasingly place your trust more in the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again. That you increasingly surrender your life to the crucified and risen Lord. And then something amazing happens. The closer you draw to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, through trust, through surrender, through affirmation, the closer the Lord Jesus Christ draws to you. He is already close to you. But then your eyes are opened and you see just how close the Lord Jesus Christ is. And the more you surrender to the Lord Jesus, the more you place your trust in the risen and crucified Savior and servant of the church, the more out of the fullness of His grace you will receive one wave of grace after the other. The more His servant life will come to expression in your life. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.